You're listening to the Luke Page Podcast, and in this week's episode, I catch up with seven-figure business owner, Elise Dharma, and we talk about um, how to use short-form videos to reach more customers and grow your business, as well as a bit of an insight into how Elise has grown her business over the years. Welcome to the Luke Page Podcast. I am here to inspire people to live a life that they love. It's why I do what I do. Join me on the pursuit of my life's vision and my own business success through meeting amazing business owners, entrepreneurs, and forward-thinking people that are here to make impact and change the world. You know, the first thing that... Um Thinking back when I first came across you and like what stood out, I'm pretty sure it was that video that you made, which was the one where um, you had the goggles on and you were, oh, yeah. <laughs> you had the hammer and you were smashing the phone and all that. Like that was such yeah. a cool video. When when did you make that? Because I think um, like that's been out for a couple of years, hasn't it? Yeah, it was made in the spring of 2021. And it was originally created to be a YouTube ad. Uh, I was living in Mexico at the time and I flew out to Utah to meet with a video production company who, who put the concept of that video together and created all the little scenes that we, we filmed. And I really had no idea what we were filming until I landed in Utah. We had a meeting before and then we filmed the next day and um, it came together in a magical way. And I don't even think the producers thought it would turn out to be like that. Um, cause we filmed two other videos mm. and they didn't have the same flair. Um, but that one with yeah. the acting and the scenes and then the special effects, it just, it's pure entertainment. And we are still, we still run traffic to that video. So it still works for us every now and then, mm. not as strongly as it did in 2021, but it still does well. Yeah, I still see it every now and then. And yeah, those things that you pointed out where the acting, um, I call it I call it bad acting. It's kind of like the bad acting trend where you've got people, and I'm a part of it, yeah, where that's kind of like a, um, you know, some people like to dance, some people like to point, some people like to mime. Uh, I like to bad act. If we're going to be following some sort of trend, that's what I love doing. But uh, number one, your acting was good. Obviously, your message was great. Um, the special effects and it was just like it, it was such a really awesome blend and um, I take my hat off to you and whenever I see videos like that and people pull it off well because so many people don't I uh, have massive respect so that's what that really what um, stood out for me and I started following after I saw that video and yeah I still see it every now and then today cool. um, and you've done a couple more videos like that, yeah. So it's not like just the only thing. But yeah, you're, you're, the video has been a really big standout for you, for me personally, I think for a lot of other people. First question I want to ask you is, um, how long have you had this online business? And how, long, how have you felt like the, you know, because my audience are coaches, right? So how, how, um, how have you seen the coaching industry and the course creator industry has changed since you've started compared to now? Yeah. So I'm entering soon to enter my 10th year of business, but of course it looks a lot different today than when I started. I started as a freelancer in 2013, uh, on the side of my day job. And I worked in a tech incubator space at the time. So there were 
digital media based startups all around me. And I also was the social media person for the tech incubator space. So that's how I got my first client. Just one of my friends in the space said, Hey, Elise, you know, social media, right? Can you grow our Instagram for us? And this was in 2013 when I had my, had signed them as my first client. And I I packaged together some other services like email marketing and influencer outreach. That was a big part of our Instagram growth back in 2013, 2014. And then just through word of mouth, I was able to get a couple more clients and then eventually was at the crossroad where I had to decide, should I do this full time? Should I quit? I really wanted to be an entrepreneur. I, my desktop at at my day job was literally, you know, the, the scene of a co-working space in Bali that looked like a tree house and it just looked amazing and I wanted to be free. So I quit my job in 2014, started an agency full time at that same time. And I was, I was able to do the digital nomad life really comfortably for a couple years. And it wasn't until 2016 that I thought, okay, I'm, I'm sustaining myself on my own. Um, I've made more than my corporate salary, but I'm not really making a lot of money. I'm, I'm spending it to travel. So what would it look like if I switched to financial independence? I had freedom independence and location independence, but what about financial independence? And so this was 2016 and I thought, well, I've been hiding behind my agency brand this whole time. Maybe I'll create a personal brand, the Elise Dharma brand on Instagram, and I'll grow the Instagram account as proof to clients that I can do this for myself so I can do it for them. And so over the course of a summer, I grew 30,000 followers on Instagram, of course, didn't collect email addresses, didn't connect with anyone. Really. I was just trying to look Instagram (laughs) famous and, you know, twirl around in the rice fields of Bali because I thought that's what I wanted to do, (laughs) but it just didn't make sense because none of my followers were interested in my agency. They weren't e-commerce brands looking for Mm -hmm. agency services. So what I realized was I'd created an audience and I didn't know what they wanted from me or if I could sell them anything. And so that's what led me to hiring my first coach. I had that light bulb moment of, oh, someone has done this before. I could, I could ask them. And so I hired my first coach who helped me uh, like connect with my audience, pull them, you know, host live webinars, understand why they were following me. And what I discovered was that, no, they didn't want my agency services. They wanted to know how I was traveling so much and how I was growing on Instagram. And so that led me to creating my first course in 2017. And that is more or less what I do now. The agency has been closed down. And today I'm a full-time Instagram educator for small businesses, specifically helping them, you know, grow their Instagram to attract real customers so that they can make sales even with less than a thousand followers. And most of my products are course based and digital product based. So it's been a long road since 2013 when it started. And I think your second question was, how have I seen it change? How have, how have I seen the industry yeah. change? Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, I don't consider myself an expert in the online space because I don't think I really entered it until 2016 when I created the the Elise Dharma brand and, and became a course creator. But I have a feeling that things are very cyclical in this industry. And 
you know, the industry only is growing. So of course there's way more coaches today than there were in 2016, but I find the strategies of how people are acquiring customers or clients. I just, I just see cycles happening. Like when I first joined in 2016, it seemed like webinars were the big thing live webinars, people going live on Facebook was relatively new. So it was a big deal to be live. And then I saw, you know, evergreen webinars become really popular and why show up live anymore? Just run ads to this webinar and get people to watch it and sign up for a call or your coaching package. And then I feel like the industry went through the evergreen webinar phase. And now that it's gone through this mini product, digital product phase, like with these mini courses, you know, $27 offers, $37 offers. You've probably seen those. Um, and that was not a new thing. Like those were considered tripwires from, you know, in the early two thousands years, that's what that tactic was. And now I'm seeing yeah. the industry relatively saturated when it comes to these mini offers, which I've done a lot of in my business. They've been really, really great for my business. And I, I'm just kind of sitting back wondering, okay, what's going to be the next cycle? What's going to be the next big thing? Because the world is also very different now. A lot of people who are in business today haven't lived through a recession while running their business, myself included. So right now I'm sitting back watching, looking at what's the next cyclical, cyclical thing in our industry that people are going to jump on in terms of a trend to grow their business. Is it going to go high ticket? You know, is everyone going to suddenly have a mastermind for $10,000? Are people going to create even smaller price products? Are they going to, I don't know, do more group coaching, uh, make their prices more affordable? I'm not sure what the next phase is. I'm definitely in a sit back and watch and observe kind of mode right now. Do you think that would come down to who you're targeting though, whether you're selling a $10,000 program or you're selling a, you know, $500 program or even a $50 program? Yeah, for sure. I saw a question in a Facebook group recently saying this coach quoted me $15,000 for two months of coaching. Is that crazy or <laughs> what's normal? And there is no normal when it comes to coaching, because if someone's charging $7,500 a month for their coaching, maybe they're targeting someone who's doing multiple seven figures and that's a normal price that they could pay. That's a small chunk of their monthly revenue. So, so it's all, it's yeah. all really relative. Um, I find for pricing and, and, and coaches. Hey, just want to quickly jump in here to tell you about this awesome new training that I put together. It's called the three steps to get to 10K a month as a coach. Now, if you're a coach and you're currently making under 10K each month and you want to know how you can get there for yourself, how you can be doing 10K months, month after month, then you probably want to check out this really awesome training. I've kept it short, only goes for 14 minutes. You don't even need to opt in, so save your email for another spammer. To watch it, head to lukepage.com.au forward slash 10k i'm gonna pop that link in the show notes but anyway let's get back to the episode okay so um what platforms obviously you're on insta um but what platforms are you on so from a social point of view and why what platforms am i on and why yeah so what platforms are you um are you are you building an audience on right now and why are you focusing on building an audience on them 
Yeah. Well, Instagram, of course, because that's my bread and butter. That's my history. That's the platform I've been growing for a long time and the one that I teach. So it wouldn't look very good for me to not be active on Instagram if I was also teaching it. But a couple years ago, I decided to commit to YouTube as well. So uh, creating organic videos, um, ones that could be found in search, tutorials, demos, that was something that I committed to in 2019. And we've since gone ahead and reached over 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. Uh, although I do think our YouTube strategy is changing, I think we're going to shift from being so search-based to more storytelling-based. So we're kind of in the middle of that shift right now. So stay tuned. If you're a YouTube subscriber, I haven't posted for a while. I'm taking a bit of a breather. Um, mm -hmm. Are you doing short? Because I'll just start doing shorts. Are you doing shorts yet? We've experimented with shorts, repurposing TikToks or Reels for shorts, but we haven't seen anything amazing. I haven't done them a whole lot. I was a little wary of posting them mm -hmm. because I had an established channel with long form video, but mm -hmm. I do hear a lot of marketers talking all about YouTube shorts. So I'm sure it's still, I'm sure it is a great growth method, but, um, yeah, we're, we're just switching because YouTube was our search platform. So you asked me why I cho chose my platforms. Yeah. Instagram is my yeah. relationship cultivating platform. It's where I connect mm -hmm. with people. I view their stories. I reply to their stories. I send them messages in the DMs. We chat in the DMs. That's really where I'm connecting the closest to my audience and my customers. Whereas YouTube, I treat it as that search engine. So if someone is typing in how to edit a reel, I want my video to show up and I want them to get to know me that way. And then ideally connect with me on Instagram for our relationship to go to the next level. So that's what I recommend for yeah. people when there's so many social media platforms to choose from, choose one that's going to be where you cultivate relationships. For some people, that's Twitter. Some people don't care for Instagram. They like the Twitter style and that's totally fine. Um, but choose a second platform where your content could be found in search. And generally that's going to be you know, YouTube, if you're a video based person, or it's going to be Google, if you're a writer or blog based person. Mm, I wonder if there's like, cause I don't do Twitter. Um, I wonder if there, cause I've got no idea what goes on there. I mean, from what I know on Twitter, it's just a lot of people just yelling at each other and shit like that. <laughs> so I wonder if there's some coach growing their business on Twitter and Twitter alone, just, <laughs> just sharing their thoughts all day. I'm sure there is. Oh, um, I think it's a huge platform. So, it's, it's the Twitter yeah. threads are really massive. Like you could take an email that you wrote and then you can break it up into little tweets and create a thread, a story like thread that people can follow. And I see people really going viral, really getting attention from threads that captivate people. I think in our industry, in the <laughs> online business space, uh, I don't know if people take Twitter super seriously, but I know in other industries like tech, tech world and, you know, even the SaaS world, that's where a lot of people will hang out. So there's, there's always opportunity right now. It's a bit of an interesting space yeah, with Elon definitely. behind the, the helm. So we'll see what happens. Mm, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. Um, and you're on TikTok as well. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, so you basically, your main ones would be, you got your Insta, the second YouTube, and then 
third would it be tiktok yeah tiktok i see goes co- it coincides with my instagram reels strategy i started dabbling in tiktok mm. in 2019 and then 2020 and it, it is the leader in in terms of short form video marketing so i am on tiktok in terms of staying on top of trends seeing how the platform works teaching business owners how to use tiktok but Instagram is is still a better tool for businesses because it allows you to actually DM people. Like you can't really message people so easily on TikTok unless you're both following each other. Whereas Instagram, it's much easier to create that connection. There's so many things you can do in the DMs once you have that connection. You can send a video, you can send a voice note, you can have a group call, you can send a photo, a text, like you just don't have that capability on TikTok. So I love TikTok for its short Mm -hmm. form video marketing, but my expertise in helping business owners, you know, with a couple hundred followers get sales, that's still on Instagram. Mm, That's a really good point because I guess, you know, the, the appeal with TikTok is the, the virality um, opportunity, which, uh, is technically, I mean, compared to Instagram, it's not as easy. Well, you could argue that, but, um, I guess with TikTok is you may get heaps of views, but who the hell are the views? And then what do you, what, what actually happens with them anyway, with uh, Instagram? Yeah. You can speak to them in the DMs and everything like that. So talking about this, um, you know, we, we keep on talking about like the TikTok, the short form and obviously reels and Instagram and like that. We've mentioned shorts. So the short form video, um, let's just say we've got a coach and you know, what is it now? We're recording this and it's mid November and they want to get a bunch of new clients by the end of the year. Um, how can they maybe use short form video to start, um, you know, getting some extra clients by the end of the year? What tips and advice have you got around that? Well, it's definitely possible. It depends on how much time you have, uh, in terms of spending time making good quality videos. I tell my audience that there's three types of videos that you want to focus on making, whether it's on TikTok or reels. But the first type is a video that's solely focused on getting you visible visibility. So a visibility mm-hmm. based video is one that's not necessarily designed for your current audience, but one that Instagram's algorithm will share on the for you page or will share in the reels feed where people aren't following you. So that might be something like you're jumping Mm. on trend or you're doing a humor based video. That's not really, you know, on the nose with your business, but it's about getting visible. Um, you can also get visible just by sharing a hot take, like your opinion on something, especially when people are talking about that topic. If you jump on it really quickly, you're going to leverage that interest and that attention. Maybe you have a controversial. Sorry, Lace. Yep. What was that? What's that? You just broke up there. What was that second point that you mentioned there? You said visibility post number one. What was the second point? Still on visibility. It's just different ways that you can talk Still about, on about different ways that you can get right. visible. So like jumping on trends, yeah. Um, is a good way to do it. Jumping on hot topics, industry news, sharing a controversial opinion, those sort of things are, are, you know, the Instagram algorithm will look at the topic of your video and show it to people who they already have the data on who are interested in that topic. So that's a great way to get visible. The second type of video that you want to generate is, or create is for lead generation. 
So lead generation is oftentimes sending people to your email opt-in list or your DMs where you can connect with them deeper. So when you're creating a video for leads, I generally like to share information, tips, facts, hacks, something that's going to be really valuable for someone, but make sure there's a call to action in the video for them to get your free thing or take the next step with you so that they become a lead in your business. And then the third type of video is one for sales. And a lot of people, especially coaches, I find ignore or are afraid to talk about their actual offer, their actual coaching or their packages because they don't want to come across as sales salesy. But the truth is your audience needs to know about what you can offer. Um, you know, they say people need to see an offer between seven and 21 times before they make a decision. So as a coach, if you have a customer journey mapped out and you part of your journey is to send people to, let's say your call booking page so that you can get on a call with them and see if you're a good fit as a coach and a coachee, then you want to make videos that talk about the actual coaching experience with you. What can they expect after they book that call? Um, you know, what's, what's a common question or topic that you work with your clients on? What's a client success story? So you want to share those sort of things in these sales related videos so that people actually know what you offer and they can decide whether they're interested and then take that next step and book that call with you. So those are the three type of types of videos I recommend people make. And so if you're someone who wants to book in clients by the end of the year, focus on those videos. Uh, we're also, at least in North America, in a very Black Friday-focused season right now. We're also entering the holiday period. So it's a great time to offer a deal to your audience, even if that coaching experience doesn't start until January. That's part of the advantage is they're getting a deal um, today and you know, life's busy, so don't put the pressure on them to start until January because everyone loves a fresh start. Everyone loves that you know, New Year's resolution energy. So in addition to the reels and the videos that you're making, think about what kind of promotion you can run and create videos around to leverage the season, currently the holiday season. Cool, so visibility, and then we got lead posts and then sales posts. Is it done where they're just like sporadic or is it a sequence where we're like, hey, we're doing today visibility post and then two days later we're doing a lead post and then two days later we're doing a sales post or is it just doesn't matter, just a little bit of everything? Yeah, I find that people really want a structure and I, I approach it more intuitively. Um, for the most part, we all could always use visibility and leads. So when in doubt, you know, do a couple visibility videos in a row, um, you could sprinkle in some lead generation videos in between them. And then, you know, let's say every five videos or so, one of them talks about what your actual offer is. So it's generally the 80, 20 rule, 80% of what you put out there is just pure value, pure content. 20% can be your content, like your promotions, your offers. So maybe that's a good way to think about it. Two videos for visibility, visibility, two for lead generation, and then one for sharing your offer. Cool. And then like the lead posts are like, okay, um, the link in the bio type thing or comment, you know, PDF, drop PDF in the comments and I'll send you, I'll DM the link. Is that, that's what we're referring to there? Yeah, you could do it that way. You can include a call to action in your video itself, in your actual reel. You can be on camera saying, mm. Hey, for more tips around fitness coaching, you know, DM me the code XYZ 
and I'll share a resource with you. Like you can say that in a video. If you don't have the time, you can also put it in your caption of your video as well. How do you, um, when we're dealing with say, you know, you're doing a video and do you most likely, if you got this short form video, most of them go on TikTok and most of them go on Instagram? Like, do I share one video on both platforms every time I make it? Yeah. Not every time. I, I definitely turn to TikTok for the trends. And then if I, if it's easier to make it in TikTok, which I do find TikTok an easier platform to edit in, if it's easier in TikTok, then I will repurpose it and bring it over into reels, making sure to remove the watermark from TikTok. But mm -hmm. if it's just like a quick talking head video, I might shoot that in reels, add some native text from reels, maybe add some music. And it's very rare that I will take a reel and put it over to TikTok just because both platforms, the videos there, they have their own look and feel and vibe. So if it, maybe if it does well on one platform, I'll repurpose it. But, um, yeah, that's a, not a very clear answer. It's, it's, <laughs> it depends is the answer really. Yeah, yeah I, I get it. Um, so basically what you're saying is that you generally won't, Hey, you post a video on TikTok and you know, you've got the text over it and things like that. You're not going to go to tick save or whatever it is, save it and then post on Instagram because it's got the TikTok look. You might use the video, but then put it into reels and edit it again with yeah. the, inter the Instagram interface. I would do that if I have gotcha. copious amounts of time, but if I don't, I yeah. will create in TikTok first, then repost it to Instagram. Cause I feel like it's more, I don't know, call it socially acceptable to see a TikTok style video on Instagram than it is to see an Instagram real video on TikTok. Cause TikTok is this, the leader in this space for short form video. That's just my opinion. No hard and fast mm. rule. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, we've got a visibility post that's to do with tr following trends, posting something controversial. I like, let's talk about this controversial thing for a second because this is a cool one. Um, it definitely gets people's attention. How do you, how does someone post something controversial, which is, I mean, it's usually speaking their mind, sharing their beliefs, that type of thing, but they're scared to do it. I mean, this is a really common thing where we're told we've got to show more of our true self and the truth is is that if you know if everyone showed and shared exactly who they are you're going to lose followers because not everyone is going to agree with you not everyone's, everyone's going to like everything about you but we're so scared to lose followers yeah so what we do is we tend to sit on the fence we don't want to rock the boat yeah we don't want to share this side of us here we don't want to share this controversial opinion what do, you, what do you say to, say, someone who's kind of sitting on the fence and they want to share more of, say, I've got this belief here, I've got something I really do stand for, but I'm scared to share it with my audience because I don't know how they're going to react. Like, what advice would you give to someone like that? Well, it's definitely something that every business has to look at when it comes to their values, their personal values, their business values, you know, how, how do those two stack up? Because... It's, it's not hard to be controversial in today's day and age. I mean, look at any news headline. They're all just trying to get our attention, get the clicks. That's essentially what you would be doing in video format. Um, 
but this isn't this isn't being controversial for just the sake of it, you know, talking about an, a topic that's not related to your industry whatsoever. And I, I see business owners struggling with this, especially when political event, events flare up and they feel like, well, I need to speak on this. I need to share my perspective. And, and it's, there's no right answer here, but I do find for an entrepreneur, you need to make the decision. Are you going to, you know, depending on what your values are and your, your, the, the values of your company, does it align with those values to speak on these political events? If yes, speak on them. You know, you're going to turn people away, but that's part of your business value because you're not there to be there for everyone. Every, every business mm. is in this same position where you're not a business who's designed to attract everyone out there in the world. So with that thinking, if you're not there to attract everyone, you're only there to attract a certain group of people and you do want to detract others. So it's not a bad thing to put out your truth, put out your opinion and rally the people who are already with you with those values and turn away people who aren't. That's a great thing. But what the topic is, that's what you need to decide. So for me, I'm an Instagram educator. It's very, very rare that I will speak on a political event or a political topic because I'm here to teach business owners how to make sales from Instagram. <laughs> that's my lane. That's the decision I made because that's what I'm comfortable with. Other people, they can do that and they're happy to talk about politics. Um, and, and that's fine. That's great. That's, that's really great. But for me, I made that decision that I'm an Instagram educator for small businesses. That's how I'm going to show up. I rarely even show my friends, my family. That is how I decided to show up. So, but what I can share about when it comes to getting controversial, I can share about topics going on in my industry. And I can share my opinion about those topics. Maybe they will divide people. So I see people doing this in my industry all the time. When we see Adam Masseri, head of Instagram, share a new video with a new update, you know, it's, it's a perfect way for someone like me, an Instagram educator to pop in and say, I agree with this update, or this is a terrible update. You know, there's, there's ways to be controversial there as it relates to my industry. So that's mm -hmm. my comfort zone. That's what's aligned with my, my business values. I'm a very private person otherwise, and that's the decision I made. But for some people, they run their businesses like an open book and that's okay too. So I played mm. a little bit safe by sticking with topics of, you know, within my industry. I do remember one time I was plagiarized, like blatantly one of my caught my products was copied and pasted into another program. And I was really upset. This was someone who was uh, trying to appear as a really well-established brand. And, you know, not entirely related to Instagram education, but I decided to publish a video talking about this plagiarism. So it's still related to my industry. Mm. And it was controversial because I called them out. I called them by their name. And it mm -hmm. really rallied people uh, who were on, who were customers of mine to feel a certain way. I wanted their customers to know that they were buying plagiarized material and it was a lot more attention than I was expecting. <laughs> um, so it is interesting. It is interesting when you go that route of sharing something that, that will, will get an emotional reaction from people. You need to be prepared for it to go either way. I think. Mm, how did it feel when someone completely 
copied your stuff because I mean ultimately our ideas are just inspired ideas from a collection of other people um that's what I feel we get our style from but then every now and then yeah we're going to model someone so massively into the point where someone completely copies something like what's happened to you how'd you feel when that actually happened it just feels very personal even though it shouldn't this is business but this was a product that I had spent months writing there were over 20,000 words in this product called Caption Vault, which was uh, 300 caption templates for business owners. And at that time, in 2001, when I released it, it feels so much longer ago than that, but maybe it was 2000. I'll have to look back my history. But at the time, it wasn't a common concept to have a product just packed full of caption templates. In fact, after I did my research, I think it was the second caption product on the market. There's only one other smaller mm. version of it. So, you know, it's when you're a small business owner and you're a creator and you're a writer and you put your blood, sweat and tears into something that's taken months to create so that it can be packed with value for your audience and someone just copies and pastes it into their own program and your customer who's in their program recognizes your product because it's exactly the same and tells you about it. That's how I found out. Mm. It just feels like a real violation and the biggest, the hardest challenge is to not take it personally. It's a decision they made for their business and it is business at the end of the day. So how you're going to handle it, how you're going to react is, is the most important decision. So I decided to make it public and, um, that's how I approach that. Mm, I actually had, um, uh, it was a few weeks ago, I think I had someone, Make a fake profile. I was like, woo, I've made it. There you go. <laughs> Welcome to the, the, the right. world of people trying to well, scam your audience. <laughs> the scam plagiarized world. What a, what a life. Um, all right. I've got three questions for you, Elise Dama. Are you ready to finish this thing off? I'm ready. <laughs> I was born ready. All right. How long did it how long did it take? I know you, you've told us the backstory about how you started and everything like that, but how long would you say that it took for your business to grow to the level where it was considered successful? Yeah. So you're making good money, um, you're handling the workload and delivering to your, your customers and your clients. Well, success I've learned is definitely not a number on paper because when I look back on my years, I used to write income reports. I've always done a year in review, which were in blog format and now they're on my YouTube channel. So I was, I was pretty open and transparent with what revenue my business was doing. And I remember, you know, when I left my agency world and I stepped into the course creator world, now I was in the multiple six figure space. Like I remember the year that I cracked six figures for the first time. I believe that was in 2017 after I launched my course. 2018, I think I did 300,000, something like that. And it's wild because especially when you put that information out there, you know that your friends are going to read it, your family's going to read it, and you worry that they're going to think, oh, Elise has $300,000 in her pocket, which as a business owner, you know that's not true. <laughs> you know that you spent a lot of that money in order to run and grow your business. In fact, Many of those early years, I felt I was almost still paycheck to paycheck. 
Like I knew uh, at any, any given month, you know, when your revenue resets back to zero and you have to like make more revenue every single month, I remember feeling the weight of like, Oh, okay. I know I'm going to have like $8,000 in expenses this month. So how am I going to make $8,000 minimum this month? Like that was my mindset for a couple of years, even though on the outside, I'm sure someone from my old day job who's making 50,000 a year is like, Oh, Elise is making 300,000. Wouldn't it be nice? It's just a very different experience when you're in it. So I don't think I felt the, so I, I brought that all up because on paper, people might've thought she's quote successful, but I really did not feel that stability that I was looking for in my business until years, mm -hmm. years later. So I would say if I started my agency in 2013, I really didn't start to feel more stability in my revenue, um, more trust in, you know, always having sales come in and revenue come in. I didn't start to feel that until 2020. So that was seven years. Uh, what was your original yep. question? Was it when or, or how <laughs> I can't remember. Um, no, that, that was it. It was just like how long I, I always like to, you know, I've been getting, um, you know, I've been, I've been getting some, you know, world known coaches on my podcast lately, at least. And I've been asking, you know, eight figure business owners, seven figure business owners, been asking them, well, how long is it taking you to get there? Because, um, you know, I always talk about to my audience that, you know, you've got to play a long-term game. The general everyday coach, they want, you know, they, they start their business, they're six months in and they expect to be, you know, six figures. And when they're not, they think there's something wrong with them. So I, I like to put a message out that hey, it's a long-term game. And guess what? Every single coach that I've asked that is making seven, eight figures, um, they've all said uh, basically absolute minimum five years, um, between five and nine years. And a lot of them are saying seven years. So, wow. you know, if you're listening to this and you're a, a year or two in your business and you're not making a million bucks yet, and you're freaking out thinking, oh my gosh, because that's the message. Yeah, at least you know what it's like. The message is, is it's like you start your business. Oh, I made 300,000 in six months and you can too. And I think that that's the message put out. Or, hey, I look at this TikTok star. They, they started posting videos and now they've got 50 million followers and they've just come up like that. That's the message. And I think everyone thinks that's the norm. So when it doesn't happen for them, they think there's something wrong with them, which is not the case at all. Um, but consistently, that's the message. It's five to nine years. And the average, most people are generally saying seven years. So if you're six months in, one year, two years, three years, take it from these coaches here, uh, which are where you want to be. That's how long it's taken. So, um, yeah. So my second question here is, what's the biggest mistake you've made in your business, Elise? And you know, the biggest mistake that you've made, which has turned out to be one of your greatest lessons. Ooh, the biggest mistake was I almost gave up on my industry of being an Instagram educator right before, like literally right before it all turned for me and became good. <laughs> so I don't know if that was a mistake, but I was really, really close to again, for, for those years running my business, feeling paycheck to paycheck, I was burnt out, tired. I remember it was the summer of 2019 and I just thought, ah, oh, you know, everyone knows about Instagram. It's saturated and there's nothing more out there to teach and I'm tired and my Instagram's not growing. So how can I show up as an educator if it's not growing? And I remember realizing as I was 
it was the summer in Toronto where I was living at the time. I remember realizing, well, it's summer. I love summer. It makes winters so worth it. And then I thought, well, what if my business were in a season? What season would it be right now? And is, is it in fall? Is it in winter hibernation? And I'm just doing things that don't suit it. That's how it felt. It felt mm-hmm. like I was trying to put a square through a hole or however the saying is. And I realized yeah. that that's how I was approaching my Instagram too. I was trying to grow my Instagram and do all these things, but not focusing on what was, what my business really needed that at that time or what was getting the most results. And, um, yeah, so that was 2019. And I remember having the conversation with my then boyfriend and he said, what would it look for you to go back to work? And I just thought, Oh, I cannot. And it was at the end of that year, I I continued to trudge it out. You know, like we had months in the red, there were definitely months where we spent more than we made, but it was the end of 2019 where I, I finally released a product. It was a lower ticket product. It was $27 at the time. And it was exactly what my audience needed. It was like, I was trying to sell them something for two years, a course for $600 that they'd seen. They either got it already or they just didn't want it. And I was trying to force it. And then when I talked to them and I asked them, I put together this high value program called Story Vault and it just changed my business from then on. So I almost gave up before it got really good. And that could have been a really, really fatal mistake. Um, there's been some other mistakes I've made when hosting retreats that were more financial based, like booking a hotel for 26 nights and forgetting to cancel it. But that's just, yeah, that's just like a big financial expense. But you know, had I, had I not stuck with it in 2019, that would have been the biggest mistake because I would have been walking away from the business that I have today, basically. Mm, that's that's huge. So it's like, you know, just because you kept on pushing on, that was the thing where it started to turn around. What was the thing, if you think back, like what what allowed you to push on and not give up though? Because if you got, you know, someone listening to this and they're right now close to giving up, they're hearing your story right now, they're trying to think, you know, we'll call that happen for a lease, but I've got nothing left. I've given everything. Mm-hmm. I'm just like done. Like what was the thing that kept you going as opposed to giving in and going back to a bloody job? Which well, uh, I'm, no one wants to go back to a job. No one wants to. No <laughs> one wants to have a boss when they're the boss. I am stubborn, know. you know, and, and that's a big quality of an entrepreneur is that resilience factor. And when you're faced with a challenge, how can you figure it out? That's what I was drumming my head against the wall for, for like months. As I was frustrated, I, I just continued to, to, to force myself to try to figure it out, to test new things, to try new things, because I really didn't consider going back to a day job an option. I wasn't at that point yet. It wasn't like I wasn't making money in my business anymore. I wasn't in debt. Um, you know, I do think there is a point in life when, when your business is really not working the way you need it to, in order to live, it's not a bad thing to have a part-time job. It's not a bad time, bad, bad thing to consider, you know, a day job. If that stability is better for your lifestyle, because it is not easy to be an entrepreneur. The, The greatest quality that you need as an entrepreneur, I believe is that resilience factor and, and you will be 
tried and tested for sure. Um, and sometimes I honestly romanticize the days of having a day job because you clock in, you clock out and you can check out with it, with your own business mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur, especially if you're growth oriented and you're constantly trying to grow. I, I, I just think there's always a challenge around the corner always. And mm -hmm. I'm reaching a point now, 10 years in, where I'm less thinking about growth at all costs. I don't need every month to be bigger than the last. I just actually value stability and, and a constant factor in my business. So that's where maybe this is where my <laughs> older age is kicking in, but um, I'm just more <laughs> focused on, I don't wanna work full eight hour days anymore. I want time in my life for other things. I've worked hard. The business has done well. It's time to enjoy fruits of that labor. And being in Spain for the last year has definitely contributed to that new mindset as well. Mm, definitely, definitely. One of my mates has just got back from Spain, so he told me a little bit about it. But um, yeah, I guess it's uh, more of a laid-back lifestyle compared to living in the States, wouldn't it be? I think so. The values are just very much focused on living and enjoying life versus being hyper-focused on work, which I can definitely see I was for the 12 years that I was living in Toronto. So trying on a new way of life. Gotcha. Pardon me, did I just say so you live in Canada? Yes, I'm born. I was born in Canada. Oops. So pardon me. Aussies always get that wrong. So, all right. So what message do you think coaches need to hear right now? What message do coaches need to hear? Well, one thing that I've chatted a lot about with my students recently, especially as maybe your business isn't as abundant as it was in 2020, 2021, people are really feeling a crunch this year. Um, there's this tightening of your body, yourself, tightening on everything, this anxiety, this tension. And I live in the Instagram content world and it's very, very easy to get caught up in, well, I'm going to make this video perfect. I'm going to make sure that it's perfect. I'm going to get this take down, even if it takes me 10 times. And one thing I, I've been sharing with my students is, especially as a former straight A student perfectionist, <laughs> that when it comes to making <laughs> videos for your business, it's better you just get it out there. And so I tell them C plus is good enough. C plus is good enough. You do not need to be a straight A student when it comes to the content that you're making to grow your coaching business. I see this all the time where people are like creating this huge SOP doc of here's how I'm going to grow my Instagram. Here's the look, here are the cover images, here's the content pillars, blah, 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 blah. Okay, great. You have a three page document on your strategy, but are you executing? Are you getting content out there? Even if you're a little embarrassed by it, are you getting, are you showing up on the daily, on the daily, um, getting those thoughts out there to your audience? Or are you spending an hour scripting a video? Like where, where are you going to get the most bang for your buck? And so this is a lesson for myself as much as it is for my audience, but I really try to remind myself that C plus work is good enough because people are not expecting perfect. They're not expecting you to look like a news anchor. They're following you on social media because you're a real person. So show up as a real person, stumbles, mistakes, zits, no makeup, everything, all of it. Um, some of my best performing videos are where I've, I've filmed it in 60 seconds just because it came to me. 
And I'm sure that energy comes across in the video too. So yeah, don't overthink it. Mm. C plus quality is good. Just get it out there. Mm, I reckon some of the best videos that I've done are just like, yeah, off the cuff, bang, right there, one take, feeling it. Yeah. Um, as opposed to where you're just trying to get it out perfect, yeah. It's a really good one. Elise, thanks so much. So anyone listening to this that's loving you, loving everything they're hearing, and if they're not following you already, where can they find you? At Elise Dharma on Instagram, E-L-I-S-E-D-A-R-M-A. Of course, and then for tutorials, you can find me on YouTube. I've got all the Instagram for business tutorials there. And then for connecting with me for video ideas, strategies, you can check out onvideo.co. That's a really cool resource for business owners. Hey there, hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Make sure you click subscribe to stay up to date with podcasts that I release every couple of weeks. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please, I really, really appreciate it if you leave me a review. And you can also find me on Instagram at Luke underscore page.